The scripture reading before the lesson will come from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 19 through 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 19 through 21. Again, do you think that we excuse ourselves to you? We speak before God and Christ, but we do all things, beloved, for your edification. For I I fear lest when I come, I shall not find you such as I wish, and that I shall be found by you such as you do not wish. Lest there be any contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, backbitings, whisperings, conceits, tumults. Lest when I come again, my God will humble me among you, and I shall mourn for many who have sinned before and have not repented of their uncleanness, fornication, and lewdness which they have practiced. See if I'm on. There I am. A couple of neat things that have happened today, and I thought I'd just tell you about them. Uh, as preachers, and I guess the elders are somewhat in this boat as well, uh, we sometimes hear comments from visitors that maybe others wouldn't hear. We had some visitors with us this morning, and they were just incredulous. They caught me in the foyer, and they asked this question. They said, what are these microphones hanging down? And I said, well, these microphones, I'm not sure they've worked in years. Um, as far as I know, the AV booth may have more information on that. And they said, well, where was, the, where was the sound coming from during the singing? And I said, that was us singing. And they, they were just amazed. They said, we haven't heard singing like that in years. And we're very complimentary of the congregation and how well um, people sing and how, how enthusiastic people are to praise God in song. And I wanted you to hear that. Um, after services this morning, uh, we received, I received a call from the North Fort Bend congregation and they had a baptism. And so we were able to, to meet them up here and, and let them use our baptistry because they don't have one right now. And, uh, we're very, very happy for the work that's going on with that congregation. Uh, Vincent McKinney is their preacher's name and he was here and, um, just, uh, really, really excited about, um, this young lady named Bonnie who was baptized. And it's a, it's a wonderful thing anytime anyone puts on Christ in baptism. We're thankful for that. I also want to say this. This morning our live stream kind of didn't work. It fizzled out. And this evening when I got here, there were some other computer technical issues going on. We have an outstanding group of men who are working very, very hard with all of our technology. And it's really easy to take it for granted and just think, well, you know, of course the live stream works. It doesn't always work because things just are, you know, you know, computers, you've got a computer at your house and we've got some really, really outstanding men in our AV room and um, also Drew Johnston. I don't know what's going to happen to us if something ever happens to Drew, heaven forbid, uh, as far as our technology is concerned, but um, really, really hardworking folks and they need a pat on the back and they need our recognition. But we're thankful for thankful to God for all of these things because they are blessings and we shouldn't pass any day without looking for the blessings of God. All right. The lesson this evening is called coping with criticism. Let me just start by making one statement. Number one, if the criticism that you receive is valid, repent. If the criticism that you receive from someone else is valid, if what they're saying is true about you, repent, change. 
Because if you recognize that what's being said and what's being offered to you is right, it's true, then the only, the only good solution is to change. But then what if the criticism is unfounded? What if it's unfair? What if the person who's offering criticism is not taking into account a lot of the other factors? Or maybe they've got a completely wrong read on the situation. Then what? Open your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 2. You're not going to like what I'm about to say, but I've got biblical support for what I'm about to say. 1 Corinthians, I mean, excuse me, 1 Peter chapter 2. And look, if you would, at verse 20. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 20. What if the criticism I'm receiving is unfounded? What if it's unfair? What if it's unjust? The latter part of 1 Peter 2.20 says, But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. Going on in verse 21 of 1 Peter 2, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. And Jesus committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, criticized, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, criticized, he did not threaten, but committed himself to God who judges righteously. If the criticism is true, repent. If the criticism is false, 95% of the time, no response is warranted or needed. 95% of the time, the mature Christian way to handle unfounded criticism is not to respond at all. Why? Because when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. That's what Peter says, and he's inspired. 95% of the time, when unjust criticism comes our way, no response is needed. It'll make you more like Jesus. I know what you're thinking. What about the 5%, John? I want to know about that. When do I get to respond? When do I get to talk back? When do I get to offer ex explanations and things like that? Now turn in your Bible to 2 Corinthians. And the last four chapters of 2 Corinthians deals with that question, the 5%. When do I need to respond to unfair criticism? The Apostle Paul, in his ministry, received unfair criticism. As you read 2 Corinthians, they criticized Paul's methods. They said that Paul could write a really bold letter. He was scathing in some of the things he said in his letters. But they said his presence, when he's with us, when he preaches, his presence is weak among us. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 10. They didn't like the way he did business. Not only did they criticize his methods, they criticized his motives. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 13 through 18. They said that Paul was all about personal glory. And he was all about taking uh, credit for what other people had done. And Paul responds to that in 2 Corinthians 10, 13 through 18. They criticized his methods, the kind of preacher he was, the way he preached his lessons. They criticized his motives. His reasons for doing what he did. And they even criticized his message. It seems that there were some who said that Paul's message was deficient. That he wasn't preaching the same gospel as some of the other apostles. And so they criticized three areas of Paul's ministry. His methods, his motives, and his message. 
and none of it was true. And what I want you to hear tonight is this. Paul was extremely reluctant to respond to criticism. It was unfair, all of it. But it's not as if Paul was eager to deal with this. So why does he? In 2 Corinthians 10 through 13, why does Paul deal with these criticisms of his ministry? And here's the answer. Because the criticisms were hurting the church. Because the things that were being said about Paul and about his ministry were causing people to lose their faith. Look at 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 13. Listen to what he says. 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 13. He calls people that are among the church that are criticizing him false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And he compares them to the messengers of Satan in the very next verse. The reason why he responds to unfair criticism is not because he's got his own reputation to maintain, but rather because this criticism was causing division and it was causing people to lose their faith. It was hurting people's souls. That's the 5%. The 5% has nothing to do with you and me. The 5% has to do with the cause and the glory of Christ. Okay, so that said, 95% of the time, unjust criticism needs no response. 95% of the time, if we do good and suffer, this is commendable before God. That's what the Bible teaches. But what about that 5%? If I'm going to respond to unjust criticism, if you're going to respond to unjust criticism, how do you do it? Three things that you can see Paul doing in these passages, 1 Corinthians 10 through 13. And you might just as homework this week study these passages. Pay attention to how Paul deals with his critics and what he says to them as he's responding to this unfair criticism of his ministry. Here they are. Number one, keep a humble view of yourself. Keep a humble view of yourself. You know, when somebody criticizes us, and especially when they criticize us unfairly, we get defensive and we want to respond in kind. We want to offer explanations. We want to set the record straight. We want to tell people like it is. We want others to know that our best motives and intentions were at heart. We want to respond and defend ourselves. And Paul doesn't do much of any of that. Rather, he keeps a very humble view of himself. This is not about him. Although his ministry as an apostle is why he's responding to all this, he keeps a humble view of himself. Look at what he says in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 1. He says, Now I, Paul, myself am pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am lowly among you, but being absent and bold toward you. Paul thinks about himself as one who is lowly, And like Christ in his meekness and in his gentleness, he's keeping a humble view of himself. Not only that, 2 Corinthians 10 verse 17, he says this, He who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Where was Paul's reason for rejoicing? It wasn't in how well people thought of Paul. It was in how well people thought of Jesus Christ. And if we keep that view, that's going to help us through a great deal of criticism. 2 Corinthians 11, verses 6 through 8. Even though I am untrained in speech, he says, I'm not in knowledge, but we have been thoroughly manifested among you in all things. 
Did I commit sin in humbling myself that you might be exalted because I preached the gospel of God to you free of charge? I robbed other churches, he says, taking wages from them to minister to you. What's Paul doing? He's humbling himself. This is not about me. I've humbled myself among you. I've been lowly among you. This is not about Paul and his name and his reputation. You know what? Sometimes when we're criticized, we think that it's our task to defend our reputation. You can write this down if you're taking notes. Character. Character is what you control. Character is what I control. I've got control over my character and my integrity. My reputation, if my character is right, will take care of itself with people that matter. Your reputation will take care of itself with people that matter if your character is what God would have it to be. And what people of God need to do is focus on character, humility, meekness, gentleness in times when we're criticized. Second, what does Paul do? He keeps a humble view of himself when he's criticized, but secondly, he keeps a high view of his position in Christ. Who was Paul? He was an apostle of Jesus Christ. That is a high position for this man to have received. It wasn't achieved, it was received. A high view of his position in Christ. And he had to remember the ministry and the work that Jesus had given him. And you and I, if we're going to respond to criticism that's unfair because the church is being harmed, because the cause of Christ is suffering, if we have to respond to criticism under those circumstances, we must remember the roles and responsibilities that the Lord has given to us. Parents, you ever receive unfair criticism from your kids? Sometimes happens. Don't forget, God has given you a high position in the home. Keep a high view of your position in Christ. That's the idea. What does Paul do with his apostleship? Look at 2 Corinthians 10 verses 7 and 8. He says, do you look at things according to the outward appearance? If anyone is convinced in himself that he is Christ, let him again consider this in himself, that just as he is Christ, even so we are. For even if I should boast somewhat more about our authority, which the Lord gave us, it is for edification and not for destruction. Why was Paul made an apostle? It was for edification. And Paul defended his apostleship because the church would be built up by his ministry. Edification. 2 Corinthians 11, verses 4 and 5. Paul writes, For he who comes, if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you've not received, or a different gospel which you've not accepted, you may well put up with it. I consider, though, that I am not at all inferior to the most eminent apostles, he says in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 5. Paul did not have a problem telling people when it mattered, my role and my responsibility was given to me by God, and I am equal to, not inferior to, the other apostles. His position, his role in Christ mattered. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 11 through 13. Again, as Paul writes about what it means to be an apostle, he says, I've got all the marks of apostleship. The signs that I've done, the preaching and teaching that I've done, the suffering that I've endured, those things, those things demonstrate my apostleship and my authority. Keep a high view of your position in Christ. And then third, during that 5% when we need to respond to unfair criticism, do all things for edification. You know, it's really easy for 
arguments to become destructive. It's really easy if we, if we decide to respond to criticism that's unfair for that to become a, a source of division, a, a time when people are torn apart in their relationships and the church suffers even more. If we're going to respond, we need to make sure that what we're doing we do for edification, for building up, not for tearing down. And watch as you read 2 Corinthians chapters 10 through 13, watch how Paul talks about his ministry and about how he wants the church to be edified. 2 Corinthians 10 verses 4 and 5, he says, My ministry, the preaching that I do is about casting down strongholds and every argument that exalts itself against Jesus Christ and taking every thought captive into the obedience of Christ. What are you all about, Paul? I'm not about winning arguments. I'm trying to win souls. I'm trying to help people think straight, think in a way that honors Jesus Christ because I know when that happens, the church is going to be built up and edified. That's what Paul's goal was. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 8, again, he talks about how his ministry was given to him and it says it explicitly in that verse for edification, for building up. I'm here to build you up. I'm here to help you grow. I'm here to help people become closer to Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 10 verse 18, he says, It's not he who commends himself that's approved, but it's the one whom the Lord commends. In every argument you ever find yourself a part of, it's not when people pat you on the back and say, Wow, you really did a good job. It's when God looks at you and says, Well done. I want to tell you something. The way we handle criticism may say more about our faith than just about anything else. The way we handle unfair criticism may well say more about our relationship with Jesus Christ than anything else about us. It's not easy. Nobody ever said it was. But the way we handle it matters. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 9, and 2 Corinthians 13, verse 11, both have reference to the brethren, brethren in Corinth becoming complete, growing up, becoming complete by virtue of what Paul has done for them in serving them and ministering to them and preaching the gospel to them. Wouldn't it be wonderful if every time people got into a fuss Every time criticism was offered, wouldn't it be wonderful if the response of the person being criticized was, you know what, I want people to be edified. I want God to be glorified and I want to have his approval. And I want more than anything for people's faith to be made complete through this dispute. That's the right answer. That's the right attitude. All that said... 95% of the time when you receive unfair criticism, no response is warranted or needed because that will make us more like Christ. Gerald Bloom didn't think I could preach a short sermon. He was wrong. That's all right. I'm really glad you're here this evening. Maybe you need to come to Christ. Maybe you need to respond to him in loving, submissive, obedient faith. Believing that Jesus Christ is God's son, confess his name, repent of your sins, and be immersed, be baptized for the remission of your sin. If you need to respond in that way, we're more than happy to help you. It would be a wonderful decision for you to make. If we can help you by praying with you, we'd love to be able to do that as well. Won't you come while together we stand and while we sing?
These truths in God's word he has given. How beautiful heaven must be. How beautiful heaven must be. Sweet home of the happy and free. Fair haven of rest for the weary. How beautiful 